what let's do. I did this in the first service, and I just feel it's appropriate. I told somebody I might do it again in the second service. You guys been watching television? You've been seeing all those election rallies and, and all that sort of stuff? You know those people are always going to let us down, don't you know that? Because they're just people. Some of them will mean to initially. Some of them won't, and they'll still do it anyway. And so I've learned over the course of my short life, it, it seems like it's short anyway. I look back and years have fly, fly, flown by that the only person I can truly put all of my hope and all of my faith and all of my trust in is the person of Jesus. He never, ever lets me down. And so I'm so sick of watching election rallies and, and political things and people cheering for people who are, we know are going to not get the job done in some way, shape, or form. Let's just do something kind of out of the ordinary for a minute. And let's give the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one true and faithful one in the whole universe, glory and praise and thanksgiving. And let's cheer for him like we cheer for one of them, but better. How's that? How's that? How's that? Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we bless you. You are great, Lord. There's none like you, Jesus. We say you are God. We say you are King. We say you are the Holy One, the Great One, the Only One. God, you are our hope. You are our trust. You are our faith. You are the one, Jesus, that matters. We give you praise and thanksgiving and honor, God, because our trust and our hope is in you, and you have never let us down. You are holy and great, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give these guys a chance to do what they need to do. In case you're wondering, she's kind of spunky. Her name is, thank you, Dr. Beam. Her name is Betty Glenn. She was married to John, but not the one you're thinking of. Um, and she, she was here for first service and hung around for second. And uh, well, we'll just pray your blessing over Betty right now in the name of Jesus. We pray your grace and your power and your strength would be hers. We pray your healing power would be at work in her body, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray there would be no broken bones, no issues of any kind, that she would be whole and she would be well. In the great and awesome and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give those guys who have come out here today to assist her a round of applause. It's people like that that are heroes of mine, who walk into harm's way, who don't know what they're getting themselves into, who do things just to care for others. They're big. Dr. Beam, thank you. All the rest of you who attended to Betty's needs when I didn't know what was going on, I was back getting changed and dried off. I appreciate it very, 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 very much. A um, couple of things to make you aware of. There's a lot of stuff in the bulletin. Please check it out and do what needs to be done. There's several things that usually happen that aren't happening. There's several things that 
are happening, but in a different location and all that sort of stuff. So be aware of that. I know I'm forgetting something, but I don't know what it is. Oh, well, who cares? I might remember it later. Um, are, you, are you guys experiencing, uh, I call it election fatigue? Anybody there? Huh? Two weeks ago. Any votes for two weeks ago, election fatigue is set in. Not one more commercial. Not one more phone call. Not one more piece of mail in the, in the mailbox. Anybody, there? Anybody been there? We get wrapped up in the rhetoric. We can get wrung out really fast. All the negativity. I get wrung out with it. I get tired of it. I get frustrated. I'm not unlike, unlike any of you. And it just seems like you just hardly even know where to turn. Do you ever feel that way? And even people you, you thought you could put trust in in some way, like we just talked about, in some way, shape, or form, have, haven't come through on a, on a promise or something. Um, we're going to talk about this morning that your vote counts. And it probably counts more than you realize that it does. And it's not just because it will be counted as of Tuesday uh, and help to elect people. It counts because we have a Father in heaven who is watching what we do. That's why it counts more than anything else. And we have to be careful. If we, I've heard people say things like, I'm even, what, what's the use? Why even go? See, I think sometimes that's part of the plan. I think that some, in some ways they hope we'll just get so inundated and so frustrated that we'll just, okay, whatever, just do whatever you want to do. I'm just tired. And we have to keep our focus on the things that really matter. I, I, feel, uh, I feel compelled to remind you that it is much more than about how many, how many taxes you will pay. It's much more important than whether you can find a new job or a better job or just get a job. Because what, we, what, what is going on in our nation is ugly and it's nasty. And if we don't keep our eyes on eternal issues, we will get sidetracked in a hurry and forget to fight the good fight of faith that the Apostle Paul talked about. We have to learn to progress with Jesus. And if he is not with us, the Bible still says this, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It still says that. It's still true because it's his word. And if we get the right things right, then economies and taxes and things will begin to take care of themselves. I've watched people get really agitated and amped up, and my prayer has been, you watch all that tea party things going on and all that, and my heart has been all along, Lord, let it be much more than just about money. Oh, Jesus, please let it be about money. Because when we start focusing in on money, we always make wrong decisions. When, the, when money becomes the whole, the core and the, and the thing of all of it, when economy is the only thing we're thinking about, we always do something goofy. It's true. I pray there be a resurgence of things that remind us of where we come from. A resurgence that reminds us of 
what prices were paid to give us what we have. A resurgence that says, I'm not just thinking about what's here in the here and now. I'm thinking about what happens after I leave this place. What do I leave for my kids, for my grandkids, my great-grandkids? What will be there to pick from, to choose from? What will their lives be like? You guys might think that's kind of funny, but is that ready? The screen? Oh, that. Yeah, look at that. I thought y'all would appreciate. I thought y'all might appreciate that. That was sent to me this week in an email. It says, vehicle may be transporting political promises. And uh, the li- I don't know if you can read the license tag, but it says poo pumper. Um, and we get really frustrated with stuff. And uh, continuing with all these things and trying to figure it out, I just I, I chuckled when I looked at it. And uh, uh, I, I've learned that, that you can't, you, you've got to put your faith in Jesus. You've got to do that. John Quincy Adams was the sixth president of the United States. And some people would like to tell you today that you have to leave God, the Bible, the Scriptures out of your public life, out of your political decisions. You've got to do things that are politically correct uh, as opposed to scripturally correct. And, you know, I find if we go back and figure out what the founding fathers said, we find that that's probably a whole different idea that this nation was founded upon. John Quincy Adams quoted saying these words, Think of your forefathers and think of your posterity. I have no intention of telling you to vote for today. I will not. I'm not going to throw up names and faces. I'm not going to continue to put the mudslinging in any way, shape, or form today. But I am going to remind you of where America came from. I'm going to remind you what God says about certain things. And then I'm going to ask you to make a quality decision. First of all, I'm going to ask you not to be lazy. I don't have time to go vote. Hog wash. Get out from in front of the Facebook. Get out from behind Sports Center. Get out and, and push away breakfast or something and get to a poll and vote. You've been handed something very precious, something very valuable, and to not use it, it's a shame. It's a stinking shame. And you know what? You don't even have any excuse anymore. You know why? Because you could have been voting for the last month. So don't tell me you don't have time. Surely in the last, you've had time to go by the board of, I'm just, I am amped up. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Why do I say that? I'm not sorry about that. So don't, don't tell me that. John Quincy Adams, sixth president of the United States, says, think of your forefathers. He said, let's look back and see where we came from. And remind ourselves of those principles. And then let's look forward and envision what is waiting ahead for our kids, for our grandkids. Let's think about what we want them to experience and to have and what liberty and freedom we want to ensure that they continue to walk in. Those are good things to think about. His father, John Adams, had something really funny to say. He's the second president of the United States. Listen to these words. The revolution was effected before the war commenced. The revolution was in the minds and the hearts of the people. A change in their religious sentiments of their duties and their obligations. This radical change in the principles, opinions, and sentiments and effects of the people was the real American revolution. You know what he's saying there? He's saying 
The revolution took place before the first shot was fired. And you know why it took place? Because people allowed certain things to happen on the inside of them. Do you know what preachers would do back before the Revolutionary War? They would stand in pulpits. And they would shout from the rooftops the travesties and the things that were wrong and vile and evil. And they would encourage people to get involved and to make a difference and to do something significant. And here, John Adams, the second president of the United States, says that is the real American Revolution. When people got a hold of their religious sentiments and their duties and obligations, and they really applied them to their lives, that's when the America that we know began to take shape, before the revolution ever started. Are you hearing me? So if we want to get back to that, we ought to get back to that. John Quincy Adams says something else. Throw that one up there, Thomas. Is that next? The highest glory of the American Revolution was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond the principle of civil government with the principle of Christianity. You don't hear that on CNN. You don't hear that on Fox News. You don't hear that in Columbus Dispatch or the Gazette or anything like that. Do you? It's got John, I read some John Quincy Adams stuff this week. I'm just like, wow, that dude was something else. He's a, wow. You, you think we've been told that we should leave our walk with Jesus outside the voting booth. If we're going to run for office, we can't take him on the journey with us. We've been told that we just need to be quiet and keep whatever convictions we have to ourselves. And if, you know, that we're propagating hatred and everything. You know what? If I'm really following Jesus, there's no such thing as hatred in my life. Because the Bible says he is love. We've got it confused sometimes. I, I don't get it. The highest glory of the American was this. It connected in one indissoluble bond, the principle of civil government with the principle of Christianity. I think of guys like Abraham Lincoln, man, he had a great cost. He took what he believed from the scriptures and he applied it to the point that he was willing to, to fight Oh, goodness gracious, let's give, give us more Abraham Lincolns. Oh, man, because that was a right, that was a right cause. Oh, my goodness. And it wasn't just about states' rights. It was about people's lives. It was about right and wrong. And this battle we're talking about is not left, right. It is not, it is not Republican and Democrat. It is not liberal, conservative. It is right, and it is, there is right, and there is wrong. Oh, man, there are right things we should be embarking upon. There are wrong things we should turn ourselves away from. That is the honest, honest, honest truth. Anybody ever heard of a guy named? Uh, let, me read, let me read something else John Quincy Adams says. There's a couple of things I didn't put on the screen, but just listen to these words. It is essential, he says, that you should form and adopt certain rules or principles for the government of your own conduct and temper. He says this, unless you have such rules and principles, there will be numerous, numberless occasions on which you will have no guide for your government but your passions. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. It is in the, listen, the president, it is in the Bible. B-I-B-L-E. It is in the Bible you must learn them and from the Bible how to practice them. He said you need to have principles in place to dictate how government's going to go. 
If you do not have certain principles, it's whatever passions anybody wants to follow at that particular point in time that become the rule of the day. He said, that cannot be. He said, you need to find certain things. And he said, those things are found in the Bible. I'd venture to say some media people would not be real happy with Mr. Mr. Adams today. Number two, he says this, so great is my veneration for the Bible that, my, that the earlier my children begin to read it, the more confident will be my hope that they will prove useful citizens of their country and respectable members of society. I have for many years made it a practice to read through the Bible once every year. Just tell me where we came from. Think of your forefathers. How about this, George Washington? It's impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. The first president says it's impossible. He says this too. I love this. This is a quote. He says, the propitious, the pro- I could say this in the first service. Now I have time. What work with me. I can't even think of how to say it right now. The propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected in a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. Noah Webster, founding father. If you've ever held a dictionary in your hand, one of them's probably had his name on it. Listen to these words. The Bible must be considered as the great source of all truth by which men are to be guided in government as well as in all social transactions. Should I keep going? How about Samuel Adams? He's the guy with his face on the beer glasses, but I don't know if, you know, I don't know how that all adds up. But listen to what he has to say. Let divines and philosophers, statesmen and patriots unite their endeavors to renovate the age. Impressing the minds of men with the importance of educating their little boys and girls, of inculcating them in the minds of the youth, the fear and the love of the deity and universal philanthropy. And what I see in that, I hear, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Who said those words? A guy named Jesus. In subordination of these great principles, under that, after you got that right, listen to this, then the love of your country. So what's he saying? The first thing to get in line is what you got going with God. The next thing to get in line is how you interact with the people right near you, right around you. How are you going to love your neighbor as yourself? Then the second thing to worry about is how you're going to love your country. You get it? One, two, three. Is that simple? I know we don't speak in these kinds of terms and language anymore, but I just thought I'd make it pretty easy to understand. I read this sometimes. I thought, man, I, I think I wish I could talk like one of these guys. I'm like a country bumpkin from southern Ohio. I can't even begin to utilize the, the, the vocabulary these guys use. Of instructing them in the art of self-government, without which they can never act as a wise part of the government of, of societies, great or small and short. Of leading them in the study and practice of the exalted virtues, listen to these words, of the Christian system. What in the world did Sam, Sam Adams just say? He said, listen, the way we're going to get, get where we need to go is we need to apply the virtues we find in, the, in the, the pages of Scripture by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where we're going to figure out how to be what we're supposed to be, do what we're supposed to do, and how to legislate and govern well. Another guy, this is not, yeah. on the day, let's just take this out. On the day, August the 1st, 1776, Samuel Adams stands before the House of Representatives in Philadelphia. He's coming back to Pennsylvania, bringing them the document 
of the Declaration of Independence, okay? He's standing before the entire legislature, the elected officials, the ones chosen to govern, and he says these words, We have this day restored the sovereign, capital S, in whom all men ought to be obedient. He reigns in heaven from the rising, of the set, rising to the setting of the sun. Let his kingdom come. You would not hear that probably in the halls of Congress today somehow. And on the day this nation was formed, there, ah, that's what makes this place great is the foundation from which it grew up out of. The Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, what, what will the righteous do? Let's not even talk about, I've been talking spiritual stuff. Listen to this. Thomas Jefferson says this. Thomas Jefferson said this, the government that governs best governs least. The government that governs best governs least. And no matter what we do, it's like this thing in Washington, this monster keeps growing and growing and growing. And it's been going like that for longer than I can, longer than I've been alive. So I'm not just talking about the last 18 months. I'm not talking about the last, let's go back to 1964. Let's go back to 1971. Let's go back before that. This thing has been on track to get here for a long time. For a long, long time. And it's time for us as Christian people to say, you know what? I, wanna, I want to see this nation be everything it was ordained to be. Matthew 12 you'll find some, some amazing words. And in the time of a political deal, it's probably good to remind ourselves of them. Matthew 12, 33 says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. That's where I get to where I get really frustrated. trust any of them. I just going to be real honest. I'll put whatever letter you want to put behind the name. I, I just don't. And I get so frustrated because have you, just for, for instance, I'm not going to endorse anybody. Say, have you watched that crazy Senate thing going on in Florida? <laughs> what is that? You know a tree by its fruit. What Jesus said, watch that mess. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, I, was, I was at my house just a few months ago on an early one morning, and I'm drinking a cup of coffee, sitting in my recliner. The phone rings. I pick up the phone. A senator in another state had dropped out of running. I get a phone call from a national you know, senatorial committee thing. Mr. Hines, do you know so-and-so uh, has dropped out of rerunning re running for re-election? I'm like, yeah, I know that. Okay. Let's, we were wondering if you would consider, so we can, if you consider donating to, to da, 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 and so we can make sure somebody gets in there. I went, give me a name. He said, what? I said, 
after everything that's going on in this nation, you can't expect me just to throw money at no one. He said, what? I said, give me a name. He said, what do you mean? I said, I want to know who's running. Well, we don't know yet. I said, click. And I sat there in my recliner, and I got very frustrated, and I got angry. I thought, they, they don't get it. They still don't get it. We are uptight with just running with something just because it, it, it might look good or because we've always done it that way or whatever. And we keep getting, we keep getting the shaft no matter what we put in, no matter who we put I am, no. And I grabbed my computer. I pulled up the, the internet side of this senatorial committee. I pulled up the thing and I said, you have got to be joking me. I cannot believe you would call me that soon after everything is the way it is and expect me to throw money at something without knowing who's running because you know what's more important to me? The person that's running other than what they say, they, the, the platform that they're on, whatever. They, I get tired of just throwing stuff, money at stuff. I get tired of, of being given the shaft, and I just went out off for like, I'm, about three paragraphs later, I hit click and send. Guess what kind of response I got? And this is the party I'm most closely affiliated with. They really care about me, don't they? They care about what I think. They didn't even care to respond to my email. You see what I'm saying? So anyhow. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just bashing all of them. I'm just equal opportunity today. I don't know. You know a tree by its fruit. I liked what that one quote says, we need statesmen who will form good values, who will live by them, who won't, uh, won't, won't look at a poll and decide if that's what we should do. We'll say, this is what I think I'll be done. I'm going to follow. If you think that's the right thing to do, follow me and we'll go there. And when he gets turned up, they don't go, okay, I'll go over here now. Thank you. This is a great idea. I like this idea better. You see what I mean? I know I'm off on a tangent. I'm a crazy man. He goes, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. You can't, man, I'm just so tired of all that stuff. I, yeah. I'm going to keep my focus on the things that are really, really important. I'm going to get wore out. I'm not going to not do the right thing just because I'm frustrated and angry. I'm going to keep doing what I think is the right thing to do. According to what the scriptures say is the right thing to do. The right way to live. He says this, look at verse 36, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And this is crazy. You know why this is crazy? Because this is in the New Testament. These are the words of Jesus. And he says every idle word that we speak, we're going to be drawn into account on. Oh my goodness. Imagine me and Doris for a minute. We're out eating lunch one afternoon for whatever reason. We're hanging out at McDonald's or where do you like to eat at, Doris? Tumbleweed. We're at Tumbleweed. And just, whoo, good steak. I like it. Okay. Anyway, get me sidetracked. It's like noon, okay? All right. Imagine we're just sitting and just, just, just Doris and I are hanging out. We're talking. And I just kind of flippantly say some things. And laugh, and we giggle, and nobody else 
is around, and there's no harm done, no. But maybe those things are somewhat off color or at the detriment of another brother or a sister. And though nothing, nobody else will ever hear the conversation, and though nobody else does no foreseen damage, the Bible says, do you see those words? I say to you, every idle word men may speak, they will give account of the day of judgment. This word idle, it means to be insignificant. It means to have no effect. It means to be pointless. Go up another slide there, Thomas. It, it, means, it, 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 it means to uh, lack significance. I said, not, not active or lazy, avoiding work. Absence of significant activity without purpose or effect to be pointless. And I think to myself, if God is that intense and just about mere words, maybe sat around a, a lunch table, a kitchen table, somewhere, some way, if he is that intense, what about when I flippantly don't consider my role as a citizen? And what I, the, a, a certain time for me to go pull a lever or punch a touch screen or do something, and I say something like, oh, I'm just too busy. I just don't care. You have a chance to dictate what happens next in the course of an entire nation, and you don't think God's going to be kind of like taking a look at that? Huh? Really? If he's going to call you into account on certain words that you say that maybe are just idle words, so let me ask you these questions. Look up here on the screen. Uh, could it be that if God will, 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 will call us on those, could it be that he judges us for inaction in the affairs that affect our nation? The Bible says this, to whom much is given, much is required. And you know what? We have been blessed because we have walked in a place of liberty and freedom. The Bible tells us that nations rise and fall as God ordains and, and, and works within that. If, he is, if he's allowed us to live in a nation such as ours, and we don't take any care for it but to be say, I'm too busy to go vote, or I'm so frustrated I won't, or whatever, are you kidding me? To whom much is given, much is required. God or the Declaration of Independence says this. this is, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That men are endowed by their creator. With certain unalienable rights. See, God is the giver of those things. government doesn't do that. The police department doesn't do that. The military doesn't do that. The education system doesn't do that. The rights we've been given have been given by one person. God in heaven. He's given us all the opportunity to live in this land of the free and the home of the brave. And if he's given us that opportunity, how dare we flippantly act like it's no big deal? Or how, how dare we just take what we're getting spoon-fed by the media in little sound bites here, little sound bites there, all this. You know what? We ought to be diligent about being citizens to find out really what the issues really are and what people really stand for and find out what voting records are and find out what they, and find out really because you find, you'll find the, the worth of the tree and the fruit. Could it be that he might look down and, 
and 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 judge us for being lazy when it comes to being a good citizen. Think about these other scriptures. This one, this one scripture is wrong. It, it, it says Ecclesiastes three twelve. It should be Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen. So if you're keeping notes with me, you might want to change that if you've got a little cheat sheet and out of the out of the bulletin thing. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Words of Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, according as we understand it. But as Old Testament, Aaron, okay, Romans 2, 16. The Apostle Paul, after Jesus has lived, died, buried, resurrected, in the age of grace, Paul writes these words. And this is the message I proclaim. That the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Now, I do get this. Trust me. I understand we are under grace. Get me, get me, get me right here. And when we come to Christ, he covers our sin. What a glorious gospel that we get a chance to participate in. That none of us are worthy. That none of us have done everything right. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And God says this, come on in anyway. The blood of my son covers you. I love you. I want you. Embrace my salvation. Embrace the lordship of my son. And we are good. But I do also understand this, that in the, in the end day, in the, in the framework of eternity, the Bible tells us that even we as Christians will stand not before the great white throne judgment to determine whether we're going to heaven or hell. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he will judge us for the things he entrusted us with. And according to that, we will be determined our station and our, and our blessing and our reward in the realm of eternity. Okay, so this is completely in the context of the whole council of Scripture, what I am saying to you is exactly true. Do you hear me? Now listen, I fully intend to secure my eternity, and I have fully intend to hear the words of our Father in heaven one day say, welcome in, boy. I'm proud of you. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And I intend to take as many people with me as I can getting there. And I intend to work my life from the framework of eternity, not from what's going on around here. Are you hearing me? And so when I'm talking this, understand where I'm coming from. And if you're lost without Christ today, let me assure you, he knows everything. He's got it. He knows you frontwards, backwards, and sideways. And you know what? In spite of all that, he loves you anyway. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the glorious gospel in one verse. Listen to me. It's what we have. That was a good rousing applause, by the way. I'm glad you all get it. That is the gospel. But our father also, I would not be a good dad. Listen to me. I would not be a good dad if I let my kids live any way they wanted to. If I did not try to instruct them, I did not try to reward them, I did not try to help them along the way. And our Father in heaven embraces us and loves us in spite of ourselves, but he loves us to hold us accountable and say, I got better things for you, boy. I got better things for you, girl. And he nudges us along the way to do right things, to make right decisions, to, 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 to weigh out life according to his word. Because you know what? His word is for our benefit. He gives it to us to help us know how to find life. He gives it to us to figure out how to find blessing. And you know what I found? When you apply his, his word to your life, life, you don't have problems that are self-inflicted as much. 
You know what I'm saying? You begin to walk with him. Suddenly, you know, you know you shouldn't sleep around. It's not a big of a deal. You're like, okay, that's good for me because my heart doesn't get broke, number one. Number two, I don't have access to diseases. And it's not like it's God's hanging over me going, oh, I don't, you know, don't have fun. Don't enjoy life. You realize, no, God really figures it out. Man, that's the best way to go. You know what I mean? Now you understand what I'm saying? Luke. Matt, James 4, 17, listen to me this. See, we, we don't talk, usually it's our Christian life. Man, I'm way behind. Usually our Christian life says this. This is what I don't do. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. I'm a great Christian. James 4, 17 says this, for a man to know to do good and to not do it, that is sin. And so we're talking about the things we don't do, but sometimes we should be talking about the things we should do and we ought to be doing. Are you hearing me? Huh? And so did Morrow. As you get up and you wonder what you're going to do with your week, one of the first priorities for you, you know it's a good thing to go vote and help your nation get where it needs to go. You better get yourself out of bed, go do your study, and figure out who you're going to vote for and what you're going to weigh in the, in the, through, through, through the scope of Scripture and holy, holy living and say, what is going on? Because if you don't, you know what that is? Those are not my words. Those are Jesus' words. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? So what should I do? First of all, if what John Adams said about the revolution is true, the first thing you've got to do is get your heart right with Jesus. If the revolution, the revolution took place here before it took place there, then the first thing you've got to do to get, before this nation can be right, all of us have to work on what we can do because we can never be totally right but we can embrace the righteousness of the only perfect one and begin to get things sorted out are you hearing me we embrace jesus the first thing you need to do is embrace the love of christ you just watch six people make their professions of faith some young some not so young some somewhere in between this is a, we had five other people this morning do that. And that's the biggest vote you'll ever cast is a vote for the person of Christ that you're going to line up behind him and follow where he's leading. Next thing you need to do is study and find out what the candidate's issues are. Lay it out in the light of Scripture. That's being a good citizen. These men, these forefathers of ours, mauled over this and had disagreements and debates about what should happen, where should we should go. But you know what? They, they studied and they figured out and they sought and they prayed and did all sorts of things. You go down that wall in, 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 the, the, in between the, the cafe and the children's church area, and there are pictures we have purposely put on the wall that talk about our heritage, as, an, as a, 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 our spiritual heritage as a nation, but also has some things there about our our church and stuff. You go back there and read. There's a prayer on the wall in there about what was, what was read in the house uh, at, the, at the sign of the Declaration of Independence. I mean, there's, there, there, there's things about different presidents. Go back there and read and read for your own what these guys have said and then go. And tomorrow to this afternoon, there's all sorts of access to all kinds of information. Have you ever seen mylife.com advertised? You know what that is? You can go in and find out what everybody's trying to dig up about you. And trust me, if there's information out there about you, there's plenty of information to kind of sift through about these people who are running for office. 
Now, you got to be careful. Don't get me wrong. There's some things that are just there for negativity's sake, and some of it's not true, and some of it is, and, you know, you got to be careful. But you should, do, you should not expect to be spoon-fed and be a good citizen. You should love your country enough and love your liberty enough and love your freedom enough and love your God enough to go out and do something, put something behind it and get active about it. Number two, go vote. <laughs> That's that simple. Number three, after your voting has ceased, then becomes the real work. You've got to stay informed, and you've got to remind yourself that these elected officials work for us. It's a government for the people, of the people, and by the people, however Abraham Lincoln said that. And when they start making promises and they're not living up, you ought to be on the phone. You ought to be writing letters. And listen, here's what I know. I've talked to enough candidates to know this. I, as much as I love uh, organizations that keep people informed about what's going on, if they start getting a bunch of form letters that say the same thing, you know what happens to them? Okay, it's just obvious. There's just a bunch of people who knows if any of these are legit. They all say exactly the same words, exactly the same thing, emails, whatever. You know what you should do? You should take it upon yourself, get in front of your own computer, and from your heart, tell them what you like and what you dislike. Make a phone call to your congressman's office. Leave a message. Tell them that you're displeased or that you really like what they're doing. That was a great choice. I'm glad you voted that way on that particular issue. Thank you very much for serving our country. What would it, what, what would it be like? Because you know what I know about these guys? They only, get, they, they only get messages and phone calls when they mess up. The, the, the desks only pile up when they're really screwing up. Imagine if they really did a good piece of legislation and we all sent them something and said, hey, thanks, that was the right move. Thank you very much. You think they would be spurred on to do better, the same kind of legislation? Wow, imagine that. So that's how you, that, that, that's where we go from here. Let me encourage you. Again, I, I, have I told anybody how to vote? Have I given you something to think about? Let me say one last thing. I referred to the Declaration of Independence a little bit ago. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Men are endowed by their creator. These words are awesome. They tear me up every time I think about them and read them. With certain unalienable rights, among which are, they decided to name three really important ones, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Listen to me. Life is huge. Liberty is huge. We're not guaranteed happiness. We're guaranteed the opportunity to go pursue it. There's a big difference. And so we need to find candidates who will allow us to maintain life and all those sorts of things. We need candidates who will make sure that our liberty remains intact. We need candidates who will make sure that we are given the opportunity to pursue happiness, but will not guarantee us that they can make us that. Because a lot of our ability to attain happiness is directly related to our ability to make good decisions, which ought to be dictated to by this thing. They cannot give you happiness. If they guarantee you can, they're lying already because they can't.
Are you hearing me? So when you go to the polls, things that will pop up in your mind are issues of life. You go to the polls, issues of liberty, and whether you're going to have many of it or how much it's going to be regulated or whatever ought to come right into focus. And you ought to be thinking, Lord, are my kids, are my grandkids going to be able to pursue happiness or are they going to be dictated to? I mean, those are, those are real issues. Listen, I'm going to let you go. But I want you to know we have voter guides out there. And that won't be like, that's not spoon feeding. You know why? Because some of the guys didn't respond. So we, we could try to give you as well-balanced thing as we could. We just didn't get a, some, of the, some of the house races and different things. They, just didn't, they didn't respond to the questions. So it'll help you along the way. It's not the end of the, the journey for you. You should go home today. You should go home tonight. You should get up tomorrow and begin to make sure you know where things stand. Listen, I love John Quincy. Listen, always vote. Listen, always vote for principle. Though you may vote alone, and you may cherish, and that you, that you may cherish the sweetest reflection that your vote is never lost. Vote on principle, not on flash. Not on how good of a salesman somebody might be. How good they're looking for the camera. Vote on substance. Vote on real issues, eternal issues. I heard somebody say the other night, we've gotten, we've gotten so used to voting along the horizontal. And the issues are not horizontal. The issues are vertical. It's vertical about our relationship with God. It's vertical about where we come from and where we're going. Because these things, the Bible says, if the, the, the things that we can see, touch, and feel are temporary. They're subject to change. But Paul wrote, the things that are unseen, those are eternal things. The things that can be seen are temporary. The things that cannot be seen, the things that are right around here right now, are temporary. They're, they'll change tomorrow. Attitude, the positions on issues, they'll change tomorrow. But the vertical is what matters. Lord Jesus, Lord, if, not one of, if one of us in here does, does not know the person of Christ, Lord, I pray, Father, that God, understanding that you're watching us, Lord, I pray it wouldn't inflict fear to the point of paralyzation. I pray it would inflict fear that brings about wisdom. Lord, your word says in Proverbs, God, that, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. God, the reverence and the awe of who you are and what you are capable of and, and what you want for us, God, and your love and your justice and everything all wrapped up in that, Lord. I, I pray, Jesus, if there's one person here who does not know you, who's, who come to grips with the fact that you are watching, but, Lord Jesus, you love them in spite of their sin, in spite of their, their weaknesses, in spite of, of them not being able to measure up. Lord, I, I pray, Father God, they'd embrace you in this moment. Lord, I pray, God, that they would realize that the real thing going on is not what's happening out here. It's what's going on in here. And, Lord Jesus, they'd allow you to touch them and reach them and bless them in, a, in a, an amazing and powerful way. Lord, I pray, Father, that, God, we as the church, as the whole, God, would, would look at what you say about how life is to be conducted. And like our forefathers, measure what we do politically, what we do governmentally and civilly and socially. God, measure it according to your standard. Because, God, if we do that, then economics, 
sickness. God, they'll, they'll begin to take care of themselves. God, race issues and different things like that, they'll begin to take care of themselves. Lord God, if we would adhere to the words of Jesus and we would treat others the way, the way we would want to be treated, Lord Jesus, there'd be less and less need for more and more law. There'd be less and less need for more and more government. God, there would be less and less need for us, God, to, to be regulated out the wazoo, Lord. God, it would affect how we, 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 we do business. It would affect how we, how, how, how we do, do, do everything, Lord. God, it would change everything. So, God, help us. God, by the power of your spirit, I pray for these people, God, amongst me right here, God, that I get to be the pleasure of being a part of. I pray, God, the tenets of faith will burn strongly on the inside of them. And I pray, God, that they would do what you say do at whatever cost. God, I pray they'd vote according to principle. And, God, knowing that they've made a vote that, that echoes in eternity, whether their candidate wins or not, whether their issue wins or not, God, whether whatever happens, when they, because you've watched and you know the intent of their heart, God, and you understand that they've weighed out the issues. God, you, you are counting that in heaven. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, your grace and your power and your strength would accompany them, Lord. God, I honor you because, Lord, I know you have it all in your hands. And I'm not worried and I'm not frustrated and I'm not angry. Lord God, I choose to follow you. And I, will, I want you to dictate to me how life is. Lord, we love you and we trust you and we honor you, Jesus, for that. Your great and awesome and powerful name we pray. Everybody say, what are you going to do this week? What else are you going to do before you vote? Pray. What else are you going to do? Study. And then what are you going to do after the voting process is over on November the 2nd? Pray. <laughs> you got it. There's voter guides out at the information center. Take those with you. Those are not all inclusive. They don't, you're going to get everything you know, but they'll be a good start. Go be great citizens. Go be followers of Christ. And go let the gospel of Jesus change this nation by changing your life and those around you. Amen.